0: I found the same kind of bug maybe a few times with finding a certain pattern, but in general, it doesn't work. And the code bases are unique, and you kind of see a different angle of a bug each time. You kind of have to know enough to be able to discern when it's wrong or not, too. But right now, I mean, humans are still the best tool to use here.
1: GMGM, GM, everyone. My name is Degachi, the host of Scraping Bits, and today I'm with a special guest, Riptide. How's it going, friend? Hello, hello. I'm here on the blockchain and just for context who are you and what do you do
0: that's actually my real name riptide i was born in the ocean yeah yeah my background used to build computers growing up always loved it did a bunch of kind of entrepreneurial stuff and then you know found my way to the blockchain through many uh dead ends working for people military banking Mm -hmm. all kinds of stuff and then finally found my way to to bitcoin back in 09 in and out of the market going broke getting rich going broke Still <laughs> nice. broke. Now I'm homeless. Still broke. And, now, oh, yeah. uh, and then I found my way to auditing through being a total degen during DeFi summer and uh, losing a bunch of cash, uh, getting getting rugged with uh, X token. They had a hack, and I lost I lost some good cash there. And then I realized at some point I was kind of getting bored. This is almost at the end of the bull, yeah. and I said, you know, I'm going to start. Like I don't even know how to read a, a fucking contract. So I said, I'm gonna I'm gonna start reading contracts. Yeah. And just become like a bounty hunter. And that was my my grand plan. And and I hadn't looked at code in like more than a decade. And mm. I had some some serious JavaScript PHP under my belt from back in the day that I had cobwebs on it. Mm. So everything had changed. I got into the code and and just started reading audit reports. And this was like this is March of last year. So 2022, I started. Mm-hmm. And I basically because i got fired from my my typical gig and just went all in and every day seven days a week, I just started reading and just just trying to understand the ecosystem with with exploits and and the bounties and try to work things and build pocs and and all of that and it just took so much time where you know I'd go for i went for six months basically i earned I earned a thousand bucks on one bounty. So six months of no income, just living off savings, just thinking I have to make this work. And then and then and then I hit a big one with Arbitrum. And that was like oh shit, you know, I knew I would find something, but it was just going to be a matter of time. I just had to keep at it. Yeah. And then from there, you know, I just got more and more experience and then I found a pretty big one with Balancer. Which I did another write up in. I found quite a few like ISIVs, one with wormhole, one with just like random projects, and then I just reach out on their Telegram groups, mm. and we just negotiate something like Aladdin DAO, Colony Network, and then I found I think the latest big one was with Radiant Capital, right before they put their bounty out. It was similar kind of thing to Balancer, so that was another big one. But yeah, man, I just I just love what I do. I love just reading contracts and just, it's fun for me. So like yeah. all the days, not making money, which is like every single day. Sometimes maybe I hit like, now I'm on like a two bug a month, uh, stride, which is yeah. pretty good. But you know, 28 days out of the month, you find nothing and you're like, fuck, like,
1: fuck <laughs> <this.">
0: <laughs> So you it's really have so cool. to love doing it because, you know, I, I don't like doing, Security reviews is what I call them, like the audits on the side. Every now and then people reach out, ask me to do it, but it's just, it doesn't have that thrill as like finding live money at risk.
1: Yeah, like thrill of the hunt. Yeah. When you find one of these bugs, how do you really negotiate in a proper sense? Because I'm sure people try and downplay and under, you know, low bore you with the pain all the time.
0: Yeah. I mean, I would do the same thing if I was on the other side, I'd, I'd try yeah. to negotiate low. You know, they'll, they'll try the same kind of thing right like um you've ever taken a negotiations class in university mm-hmm. you have the BATNA the best alternative to a negotiated agreement and i think people have those kind of things in their head where they have an anchor price they set just like if you're bartering at the mall we'll talk about like i don't want to name a project but with a critical and they threw out something they knew was low but just kind of like to set that anchor So to get me circling around that number and then, but you really have to look at it and step back and say, hold on, you know, like here's really the best way to do it is to quantify, you know, what you can lose with this exploit, you know, true or false, not, not like hypothetical, those bugs, the worst, if you're trying to argue your position, it's just, just forget about it. You know, it's, it's, if you could show it in a POC that says, Hey man, you're going to lose 5 million. Look, Provably lose it right now. I don't need access. I could do it right now. Those are the best bugs where you have a lot of strength on your side. And I'd say the easiest to win. But still, I mean, you're still at the mercy of the project, which is the shitty part about the space. It's like you can have bad actors that just, okay, so we're going to pay you this. And what are you going to do about it? You're kind of fucked. You build the
1: POC and then you kind of run it in a simulation and show how much money it loses, right? Do you have kind of like your own anchor point that you? One minimum, so I guess like ten percent or whatever it is, and then yeah, what what do you do if they like, just I think 10, pay 10 should minimum.
0: be ten should be like the standard, you know, and um, but yeah. that's hard to say when like look at Euler, you know, it's like, okay ten percent, it's like dude, they had a lot of fucking money locked up, and how are they even gonna pay it without taking user funds? Yeah, that's um, the so it's complicated funds. Yeah, and I could say like okay, you could take a cap on that. Okay, that, that's all cool. Like, I'm not out here to to be a mega multimillionaire, you know, from bug hunting. Like, mm-hmm. I think it's fun, um, but I also want to get paid adequately. Mm-hmm. And it's it's like a sales job. You know, I'm not yeah. on a salary. I don't get paid every day. I don't know when the next bug is coming. Mm-hmm. So, like, when mm-hmm. bounty hunters get shafted, mm-hmm. it pisses you off because you might not find another big one like that, maybe ever again or maybe for months and months and months. So yeah. you really have to be careful in trying to negotiate. That's a huge part of the job. And sometimes yeah. the bounty program intermediaries like ImmuneFi, um, all the other copycats out there, they necessarily you know aren't there on your side, but they're to be a neutral party. And sometimes it doesn't work out in your favor either. So mm-hmm. sometimes dealing with dev teams in a telegram Maybe you have a, another colleague in crypto that that helps middleman it. Sometimes mm-hmm. those are better interactions than going through these kind of formal channels too. It really depends mm-hmm. on the team.
1: Yeah, I can imagine getting just completely like rugs from them, finding, you know, a $10 million exploit, asking for, you know, $1 million, And then j- they're just like, no.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I
1: guess how do you like disclose what the bug I- is without... Kind of yeah. How do you how do you disclose the bug without disclosing it? I guess.
0: Well, that was so. Uh, I forget who. Man, I feel I feel bad not knowing the guy's name. The guy that I met him at it was ETH Denver or ECC or something. Uh, no, it was in ETH Prague. Uh, the guy who did the zk proof proof of bug concept, mm. which I thought would be a game changer. I still haven't even looked into it in depth, but yeah, you, you're proving it using zk to say, hey, look exploit works, you just don't know how I did it, (laughs) which I think is really cool and I think that's honestly that should be the future of this Mm -hmm. because right now it's like, all right, hit them up in Telegram get everyone there and then here's what it is and then you can't share your findings uh, right away because then you give up all your leverage. So it's like or then they could just say, oh yeah, we knew about that, which I've had happen to me. You have to say, all right, so my bug is you know, centered around this? Do you have any existing vulnerabilities out there that you know about? Mm -hmm. And this is frequently the case with big projects. They'll just, they'll pile up their list of bugs. And if they're not mega critical, they'll wait for the next version to update all the contracts. So you kind of have to feel them out and say, okay, you know, let's let's establish, do you know this bug exists or not? If you don't, okay, then here's what I kind of, I I think of this as a critical, you know, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And then... You know, if if you kind of get a good vibe and hopefully you can get a recommendation from somebody else that the team is legit, then you share a gifts with them and then, you know, kind of go from there and, and cross your fingers. Mm,
1: yeah, I, I think even disclosing that there's a bug initially and like they could just not even accept it and then go look at the contracts themselves.
0: They're um, not going to find it though. No. These are things that have been sitting there for ages and oh, you just don't okay. be specific about it. just be like, hey, you know, I can I can take this amount based on this very broad kind of idea.
1: But I guess there's also the thing of if they don't want to pay, it's always good to ask beforehand before even disclosing that you found something like do you uh, what's your process for, I guess, like bug hunters finding something because then you can kind of get like the feel before you release any information. At least that's what yeah. I would
0: do. My, my best interactions have been where I know I, I've already got a heads up from more crypto OGs that will connect me with them saying, hey, this team's legit. Like mm-hmm. they know what's up. And so some teams that are just unknown, it's, you know, it's a bigger risk. So I, I like to kind of, you know, get the inside tracks. Hey, who are the devs behind this? You know, what's up with the bounties? And most of them are all secure, serious about security, so it's it's the yeah. outliers that kind of fuck up the ecosystem uh, when there's too many investors involved, too many board meetings and stuff like that where things can get or too many egos honestly that can just kind of mm-hmm. you know they don't want to admit they're wrong or they made a bug. How do you determine what projects
1: you want to you know look into as well Anything that's not a fork? be
0: honest like if okay. it's if it's a compound fork i just don't give a fuck i'm so tired of looking at forks if they i mean if they fork something and then they said hey we're going to modify a bunch of code or we're going to change it up a bit you know then and then, then i take a look uh, i just you know honestly i do it for personal curiosity i don't really look on the bug bounty platform pages anymore i just look at what projects are out there who's announcing on twitter and i just dive in and i'm like well like, what are you trying to do and how are you trying to accomplish it? And if it's something unique and cool, then I'll, I'll just read your contracts just out of interest. Like, how are you doing it differently than the hundreds and hundreds of contracts I've looked at where I've seen this kind of function implemented and you're doing it this way? Oh, why are you doing this? Oh, gas savings or whatever. So just just curiosity drives me. And um, yeah. I think you have to have that in the space. If, you're, if you don't like what you're doing, you're not going to last. You're going to hate it. Because you're not getting paid all the time. Yeah.
1: It's really like a passion thing Um to be consistent, I think. I don't know if money can be like a complete driver. Yeah. I don't know if money can be like a 100% driver. Like eventually it fizzles out, I think. Uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. I'd agree with that. You get to a point with, with you know, in cryptos, you have broke people and then you have fucking mega millionaires, billionaires. Oh. And, Like the dichotomy there is is always present at crypto events or online, whatever. But it's like, uh, once you whatever your number is, like where you can order the steak off the menu and you don't really care. Whatever that is, like where you don't worry about your rent payment. Well, then you're like, all right, what am I doing for fun? Like, why am I doing this? Yeah. So it should be a passion in my eyes because that's that's what I do. This is a passion for me. It's very interesting. Mm -hmm. It's like a puzzle.
1: Yeah, I think... If you make enough to just like live comfortably, like for me, I, I really only just pay rent, you know, just get high quality food. And that's really it. <laughs> so yeah. anything that kind of covers that for like a year, it just like, it's fine. Then you just do whatever you want. Just learn basically continuously until you level up, upskill, get to that next level and just continue. I, I think It
0: comes, comes with age too. Yeah. You know, I'm probably older than, most of the guys in the space but you you know once you get out of your 20s and you get past this materialistic lifestyle you don't need like all these memes you don't need land but you don't need all this bullshit that's just more of a burden for your life you just yeah. need the freedom to do whatever you want to do at any time not having to wake up with an alarm clock or get on a call with anybody yeah. like that is ultimate luxury living living wherever you want with a laptop, just doing whatever you want is the best. And you don't need that much money to do that.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I definitely taken that approach as well. It's more of, okay, how can I make passive income instead of exchanging time for money? And if I can reach the bare minimum like bar requirement to basically live comfortably with passive income, then that's the ultimate freedom, right? And then you can just kind of invest in passports and locate across the world and just keep learning. Otherwise, if you're stuck to like a nine to five, are you really learning that much? I think you hit like a a point where you stop learning as much as if you were to do it solo and doing like your own research all the time. At least that's what I've kind of realized. And you got to kind of identify when you've got to detach and outgrow the current environment.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree with you.
1: You know, you, you choose a protocol, right? What is kind of your main strategy or looking at it. Like, are you really just looking for criticals or are you actually just trying to understand everything? Um, There's been people that specifically look for, you know, what handles the money. If I follow all this, if I follow this path, everything that depends on it, or everything that is a dependency of it, and they follow the path of, you know, everything that is correlated to it and they find nothing, they move on, they don't read the rest of the code. Um, so is It depends there, how lazy uh,
0: I'm feeling. <laughs> it depends how lazy I'm feeling. Like, like how much TVL is locked in there. Is it yeah, interesting? Yeah. Some people will have a totally different I think everyone has a different method. I've seen yeah. people like put pictures of their whiteboards up and it looks like that meme, you know, with the guy connecting all the all the things. Yeah, yeah. I I've never done that and maybe old times when I was stationary and I had a whiteboard, I drew some things out, but mm. fine like like I've been traveling for the last nine months and oh. I don't have that luxury of, you know, my office, but I just keep it all in my head and I have, you know, a like notes.md, you know, and I just up like <laughs> oh notes. <laughs> but uh for the most part, I'll I'll look at a protocol and then maybe I'll do some pattern searches like for some low-hanging fruit and just say okay, did they miss any of these things? Yeah. And if they didn't and it's interesting, you know, I'll just start like browsing the code then I'll say, all right, you know, I'll just just start reading it and just look around different functions. Um, I yeah. think naturally you start at you know the funds, uh, the functions that move the, the money, and just kind of expand from there and just just see what things do and and then you know if it sucks you in, then you kind of think about well, how you know how do I, how would I do something completely unexpected? Like maybe you'll check out the tests, see what they're anticipating, and then just think about well, what if You know, what if, what if I do this? What if I do this? And I think the more uh, ridiculous your actions become and how far away you can think from what the developers were thinking uh, might lead you on a good track or for finding a bug. And you can kind of discern that from the code. Uh, Once you start reading the code and once you start looking at the tests, you can see how much the developers focused on user experience versus security and how much review they've had and some code is just shit, man. You know, you know, you go to things and, and it just works. Yeah. You see some of the contracts out there, like you're like, Oh my God, this just barely works, but it's, it's zero or one, you know, it works or it doesn't. But in mm-hmm. the devs mind, they're like, Oh, it looks like fucking trash. It's an embarrassment. And then you see some code. It's just like some projects just repeat this amazing uh, speed and, and uh, just developing crownus and and they're really impressive and you know those devs are on point but then there's it's permissionless you know so there's a lot of sloppy devs too so there's mm-hmm. bugs to be found in, in either one it's just like eventually someone's going to make a mistake when they deploy it when they update it uh, you know i've seen like when you see a, a console.sol mm-hmm. deployed to mainnet you yeah. see or you see just uh you know some comments shouldn't be there it's like okay well Where's your attention to detail? What else did you miss?
1: There's always some slip up somewhere. It's hard to be 100% secure unless you give up something. Yeah. Unless you give up something vital. So I guess like decentralization to a degree, or just like really hard, strict requirements. There's just so many factors. And especially with game theory as well, like how how are other protocols interacting with this? Yeah, it's true. Journal, like dependencies you can just check like the addresses in in the contract itself let's say it's like a master chef and or let's say pickle pickle finance like you create your own jars right so then it, it brings in this whole, this whole kind of new realm of possibilities with okay you can make this jar custom interface well it, it, it adheres to the interface but it has custom functionality within it right so, then this is stuff you don't even really think of unless you have those strict requirements in place, which obviously they didn't at the time. Um, yeah. So, then that's kind of where all the massive criticals
0: are as well. So, I guess, yeah. How do you- I mean, look at, look at uh, Conic, you know, just a couple days ago with, you know, it's like, oh, there's one thing we missed with how Curve was treating the ETH address. Mm hmm. It's like, yeah, you you do this composability and just pile on things, man, it gets so cool. And then you add in the cross chain stuff. There's there's errors out there, man. And I think an important thing for for new guys to look at this stuff, even experienced auditors, is like, you look at the code, you're not finding anything for hours and you think, oh, this is, it's zipped up tight. Mm-hmm. You know, you had all these big name audit firms on it. There's no way anything got by them. But there's always something in there, like guaranteed there's some flaw in your code. I don't care if it's a low or like there's something in there that's just not 100%. You just have to find it.
1: Yeah. And for me, me personally, I've actually experienced like two giant hacks before they've happened. So I'd be, I'll I'll just be like reading their code. And then maybe like the next week or next couple of days, a massive exploit happens on that code base that I was literally <laughs> developing with that uh, Curve one. I remember implementing Curve for a custom contract and I noticed that they use that uh, that custom functionality for ETH. And so you can choose we mm-hmm. or ETH, right? And it, it does like this check. And it, you know, it, if you're transferring ETH, you can do a, a re-entrancy on that or a read, read-only re-entrancy so I actually reviewed it for like a whole week. And my, my mindset wasn't even in like that security mindset. So I just like went over it. But then like the next week it just happened. I'm like, okay.
0: <laughs> That's happened. Yeah, it's happened to me. It just, it doesn't click. It's like yeah. something goes off in your brain like, huh, that seems weird. You know, maybe I, maybe I should put that down in notes.md. <laughs> it's yeah. a little asterisk. And come back to this at some point.
1: Definitely need that intuition to notice the stuff. Otherwise, you're in like that dev mindset without the security mindset. I guess the security comes like after. I feel like, but if you're implementing another protocol and your intention is to like create instead of, I guess analyze. For me, it's it's quite different. So, but then again, I haven't developed the kind of manual auditing thing. No. So I yeah. guess, like, when when do you choose to stop, like, reviewing a code base?
0: It all, it all depends. Like, it just depends how much time I want. You know, I'll, I'll get exhausted sometimes and just kind of burn out on a code base. Mm-hmm. And, but I'll make notes, you know, and I'll say, okay, here's what I found so far. And I, I haven't found any way to flip this into, um, you know, maybe it was a low. I haven't found any way to flip it into a medium-high cradle. All right, so I'll come back. Maybe maybe a month, two months down the line. Who knows? You know, but I have a little file that I just keep on projects that there's open vulnerabilities on, or there's things that could be exploited in the future, or maybe I just need to dive deeper. Like there's one I'm working on right now. I almost finished the POC and this project, I started looking at it two months ago. And I, you know, I had a couple notes written down. I was like, there's a bug here, and I just can't find a way to exploit it. And then You know, hopefully I can confirm it today, but it's like I found a new angle to look at it where it says, "Okay, I don't need to steal money here. But what if I can, let's say, uh, never be liquidated on this protocol? And I was like, oh, that could be kind of cool, too. So but it's like, okay, well, what can I do if I can't be liquidated? For example well what does that do you know what are the ramifications for that so it's I'm just diving deep but sometimes i just you know just get burned out on a protocol i'm like fuck this man there's nothing here you know oh. we're like looking at uh what was i looking at makers contracts and <laughs> one day and i was like man <laughs> fuck it you know naming it all these weird things these autistic guys and <laughs> i just you know it just wasn't interesting like to decode all yeah. that and everything well you know Forget it. There's so many different code bases to look at.
1: The interesting criticals are, like, the liquidation one is quite interesting because it's not something you'd think of generally.
0: Yeah. It's like a different angle. Like, that is my goal, is to not do, not find bugs that we already know about. And for the most part, like, pattern matching and stuff, it doesn't really work. Like, I found the same kind of bug maybe a few times with, you know, finding a certain pattern, Mm -hmm. but... In general, it doesn't work, and the code bases are unique, and you kind of see a different angle of a bug each time. So, really, nothing for me replaces reading the contracts. And you know, you can't do finds and searches through VS Code and all that stuff. It's like you have to look, see how it functions, and then say, Okay, well, he's doing it this way. You still need the human brain to kind of decipher the vulnerabilities. Um, GPT is worthless, except for. You know, maybe commenting on, you know, how certain assembly blocks work or, you know, things that'll save time. But even then, it could be wrong and you kind of have to know enough to be able to discern when it's wrong or not too. But right now, I mean, humans are still the best tool to use here.
1: Yeah, I think humans have not been replaced. They could be replaced in the future with AI, depending on how good it gets. But the, the hardest thing is really creating a generalized kind of model to understand you know a protocol and what it's trying to do that's the biggest thing but and that's why you can't really generalize because maybe a protocol doesn't use erc20s but it has like shares right and that's its accounting system instead of tokens being sent to the contract and then Mm -hmm. it uses ether in that way or you know so just some like in-game currency which is just a number not really any tokens and so then you can't really generalize of okay where's the money cuz you don't know what the money is at that point you just have the storage slots you know yeah you know even with that liquidation like non-liquidation kind of thing you really can't generalize that either cuz you don't know what it's doing overall and if you try to automate it you wouldn't know i guess you could if it gets really good at the heuristics. But even then, like generalizing that kind of vulnerability, you still don't know, you know, what the money is. But it, I guess if, if you did know, let's say it is an ERC-20, it would be quite difficult to uh, to see, okay, can you liquidate this? It has to build like an intuition of some sorts of what's happening, like the overall structure.
0: It sounds like a tremendous amount of work. But oh, yeah. somebody, probably you, somebody's going to do that and and develop something successfully that, that we'll be able to train or, or something like that. Like, I don't know how many years I have doing this before everything improves. I mean, Solidity is not at version one. You know, we're still early. You know, you look at ChatGPT, you look at um, so many different innovations now, and then it's just rapidly evolving. I don't know how many years. Where I'll be able to continue to find vulnerabilities. There's a lot of competition coming in. You know, I see more and more people shifting to Viper too, but, you know, Viper's got bugs as well. Just not as cool of uh, bugs as Solidity, I think. I mean, there's always going to be bugs, whether it's in Rust, whether it's in Golang, whether it's in whatever supporting these, these, uh, these systems. But like, I think it's just going to get better and better where we have these automated tools finding things. There's going to be uh, maybe like code arena expands more where it's, um, they have like live monitoring as well. And you have so many people wanting to do it. You have all these human eyeballs on your code. I don't know, man. I, I think it's just, you know, the meme was so early, but we are, and it's so cool just to see how this kind of evolves and, and, uh, yeah. where people put their, their minds to and, and their resources at. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I agree. I think we're we are quite early, but it's also if you're in the position of innovation, even though it's a very small group, you still <laughs> you still worry about people like beating it's still a race, even at every stage.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um like yeah, I'm I'm developing that as well, and it is a problem I'm trying to solve, like the, the generalized kind of vulnerability stuff. But I do, I do think like AI is going to be a fierce, like a force to be reckoned with soon. And like even I'm worried about that as a developer. You know, it's uh, AI will, will eventually just be, you know, some superhuman that the person developing the AI can just control or or command. So basically, you won't really need developers because you have your, you know, the best developer. <laughs> you just have access to control i mean that's that's what i think is the future is going to be like So like right now i always try to upskill as much as possible so let's say you know i, I learn half right uh i go into automated tooling from that automated tooling doing fuzzing it kind of relates to ai so you learn ai from that and then it just kind of spiral spirals do like two things simultaneously um and then just research and like what's currently out there in the market what's kind of like the hot topic why is it the hot topic and i think once you understand a field in depth as well understand what's out there you know read research papers look at all the code what are people's problems you can identify what's missing and attempt to bring that missing piece back in to the puzzle and fit it in and then you look for the next piece i guess it's kind of been my methodology.
0: Have you looked at uh, the new the new echidna that just dropped? Where they have the Medusa. on-chain fuzzing.
1: I haven't looked deeply into it, but I I have known about it. Medusa, yeah. the names are yeah. quite interesting.
0: <laughs> also, I think there's going to be more bugs found. That and these will be some monster bugs. Will be found with people understanding and challenging underlying research and assumptions, especially for some of these maybe ZK protocols. I remember the, um, what was the Heartbleed bug? Mm-hmm. I wanna say last year, it was a, think about who it affected. It was a, um, maybe it was trail of bits that found it, but it was it was a bug with the, I'm gonna misspeak here, some cryptographic bug. And because the research was based on, I think flawed assumptions or something like that. But in order to find the bug, you had to go back to the, the actual research paper where they, you know, they're drawing all the math, everything. And they're saying, Hey, here's how you do it. But there was a flaw within the research, I believe. So like how many, how many people are going that deep on a lot of this stuff? I don't think many are. It's like, it's like I talk to, you know, the, the average Solidity dev or something. Okay, you know Solidity and you know some EVMs, of bytecode, right? But you're not going, you're not reading the, the the yellow paper. I'm like, do you understand this math behind the do You Like how deep will you go? And most people, I think, don't go. Well, I know most people don't go to the root. And that's with so many things. You're going to learn to code. You're not going to understand tcp ip at a granular level you're just not going to but if you do know that then you better understand the whole system and you can just approach things differently than the next guy mm-hmm. and I talked to like for an example I talked to these devs working on ZK field and they say hey have you ever looked up looked at uh, ZK circuits and I always say I always say no I haven't I haven't checked it out and um, first time I said that guys I've you know, we barely understand them. Like we can't <laughs> find anybody to audit these. And I said, are you serious? And said, yeah, it's so complicated. And I took a brief look at it and I'm no math, I'm no moon math guy. And yeah. I'm looking at this, I'm like, what the fuck is this? And, I, and the way I look at new things is like, what is my opportunity cost at investing X amount of time into this? And what are my wow. returns going to be? And if I see something like, you know, let me go back to whatever I learned calculus. OK, now what what do, what do I have to learn here? How many months is it going to take and how yeah. many contracts am I going to miss out on reading and bug bounties? So I just for me, I can't approach it. But some people, there's money to be made there. No doubt. Get the big brains in there. And there's there's a field for you if if that's your thing.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with. The opportunity cost you go look at it from a long-term perspective because i guess what you're doing now is so temporary in the grand scheme of things because automation is such a big thing now and you got to think of it as how can you obscure while simultaneously doing what you're doing mm-hmm. so it's really just managing priorities i think so what is a priority right now And what is priority in the future? future is obviously learn. You can't evolve if you don't learn, right? And that's kind of what gives you value and how you develop a niche is by learning, figuring out new things. Oh, you figure out that stuff. It opens a door to a a whole new world. Uh, It's like entering a cave and taking one path and lighting up the torch and seeing there's actually two paths at the end. Yeah, Yeah, it's kind of like that. You don't know what you don't know, right? So the only way to kind of get to that point is to try things as much as possible and learn as much as you can about those things at the root level so you know what's possible, first of all, because you can't innovate if you don't know what's
0: possible. And this this is why you need to be motivated by more than money or you just won't. You won't make it. You won't yeah. want to dive that deep.
1: I think in technology, it's not money motivated, but more what can I invent? Because it really is just inventing. Once you hit like the pinnacle of you know your field what's po- like what is already out there what's not out there and you can identify mm-hmm. what's missing and if you're creative enough you can uh, think of new ideas which kind of like spark a whole new revolution in that field so i think that's yeah. kind of like the best part of it like satisfaction of of kind of reaching that point rather than the money because if you get to that point right it's i think it's quite easy to make money if you're really you know good at what you do and you're inventing stuff that people want you're fixing problems i mean that's what people pay for so it's, it's like a transfer of value
0: save so, time or save money
1: yeah yeah so i don't know that's kind of my perspective i i think innovation is like satisfaction at being able to say yeah i did that um or mm-hmm. i discovered this is way more fulfilling than, you know, some some money. Because I think it's like a, you reach a point where money is kind of not, it doesn't improve your life significantly. I guess there's like, yeah, like it, let's say you had like $1,000 and you make a million. That's obviously a massive lifestyle change. But like if you had, let's say 10 million and you go to 100 million, it's not completely changing your life as
0: 1,000 to 1 million would be. If you you get me, yeah, it's pretty silly to be honest. I think it's more important to find a balance. And also, you got to have the three W's, right? As a man, you got to have your woman, you got to have your wallet, you got to be full of cash. And the biggest thing that everyone misses is your waistline, especially in crypto. You know, you can't be this out of shape dude. Okay, if you're in your 20s, great, man, but you can't maintain. What you got with those same habits when you're in your 30s and 40s? I met a bunch of auditors at SCC. We had some lunch, and you know, some were fit men. Some were looking like uh, they needed to they needed to go run a few laps. Yeah. and you know we did something funny on Twitter I did a pull-up competition you know and suddenly oh, yeah, everyone's right, jumping follow. in yeah. yeah so suddenly got traction but it was funny because other there's other people out there that enjoy that balance and then mm. there's others that you know in this field especially people are on their computers and devices all the time it's like I understand that man but you need to get out for just 30 minutes and go exercise hard and then go back to whatever you're doing And if you Mm. keep that pace up, I guarantee you're going to be so much better off when you hit 40, when you got money, you got your girl, and then you don't look like a piece of shit. You know, you still look like you're 30 when you're 40. And Mm. I hope people grasp that, how important health is versus anything else in this world.
1: Yeah, without health, you can't, I mean, you have nothing. What's the
0: point? (laughs) What's the point?
1: Yeah, exactly. Like you could be, if you're 30 and have horrible health, then what's the point of having, you know, 100 million? Sure, you can kind of spend that to fix your health, but nothing's going to fix it compared to, you know, taking care from an early early stage and, you know, having the right diet, you know, the good habits, not, you know, slouching all the time, working out. yeah. Yeah, it's like if you have health, you have more time basically to to
0: accomplish what you want it's we're we're in like a modern day paradox where everyone well you know in our industry at least are on the computer and it's you have to seek ways you pay people to force you to do physical exercise with personal training with stupid class whatever because life is so easy friction free and on cruise control all the time and you can have food delivered to you and it's just amazingly easy. So yeah. you have to personally seek out how can I make my life harder physically? Whether that be not having a car, whether that be you name it, but just make it harder for yourself. Uh, don't mm-hmm. fall into that trap. You just become this pasty soy, you know, chump that's going to jerk off to porn and not chase women and low testosterone. It just doesn't end well.
1: Yeah, I think you need hardship in your life and in in an era where everything is trying to grab your attention, you know, we have algorithms that capture our attention and build habits, like negative habits. It's actually quite hard to detach once you're in it. Um, So I guess like having routine and habit, positive kind of habits is the main thing to, to strive for and realizing that as well like kind of taking taking a step back third person perspective objective point of view looking back or well, looking at your life currently and what are you doing right what are you doing wrong even just writing that out like what things you do you don't like and what things you do you do like that would give you a massive kind of wake up call like I've done that as well and once you write it out it's really a really makes it you know predominant that this is something You need to change and even just writing down who you want to be as well. And what does that look like? For example,
0: totally agree.
1: I want to be, you know, an innovator, right? Okay. Let's like kind of narrow that down a bit more. What do you want to innovate in? Okay. Let's do automation. How do you get to that point? What does that look like? What does someone top of this field really look like? Are they really on social media for four hours a day? Are Hmm. they, you know, looking at adult films, like twice a day? Do you really think someone at the top of their field is doing that? What is the ideal kind of scenario of someone, this this person, this character that you want to be? What does it look like? And once you know what it looks like, you have a target. And if you have a target, you know what to walk towards. You can't really have, like, if you don't know what you want, how can you walk towards it, right? Or work towards it? And if you don't know what the person looks like, how do you know what to become?
0: It's a great question to ask oneself. Who do you want to be? You only have a finite time on this planet. Who do you want to be? How do you want to live that life? What are your goals? You know, it's it's good to reflect as a man and just think about that every now and then, especially if you feel like you're just on a meandering path. Just think about who do you want to be? What kind of mark do you want to leave? Do you care if you leave a mark? But how do you want to be known to people? Do You give a fuck if how you're known to people, you know, all these things, you need to choose your life path, at least have a, an idea and not just be on cruise control being pushed Mm. around by external forces. You should have an idea because it's your life and you only have one chance here.
1: Yeah. and I think the only thing you can really control in life is your mind as well. Uh Um, Once you can kind of conquer that, you can really kind of do anything, I think. That's where all the power is. And I think for me, I experienced mortality pretty early in life. And that's given me a wake-up call of, okay, you really do only have a finite number of years that you could die in your 50s, your 30s, 40s, any time, really. It's actually uncontrollable. Like, sure, you can do stuff to mitigate it, but it's really up to chances. (laughs) So, yeah, I think... Like, once you realize that, you got to think of what's really important to you. Is money really that important? Or would you rather go spend time with family instead of making, let's say, 400K this year? Because money comes and goes, but time doesn't come back,
0: right? Yeah. The And, you know, you realize you remember the experiences. Exactly, I've always yeah. chosen experiences over money my entire life. And, you know, once I hit a, a number that I, I thought I was, you know, during the bull run, I hit a number that, that was in my head, like, oh, wow, this is what I wanted. And then you achieve that number. And then that's really a turning point where you realize, like, well, this is it. You know, this is the point I, I could buy some new stuff to replace the old stuff. Yeah. And now what? Like, my life is exactly the same. And this was supposed to be the, the quest I was put on. Like, mm-hmm. that's what everyone told me to do, was to go make money. And then you get there and you realize, like, well, well, this is pointless. <laughs> this is really dumb. Uh, but I think many, many people are are tricked by that, and especially young men because they want to compete with other young men for women. And you have to show status and money, and you can care for people, and so you have to earn some money. And so, you know, it's never going to stop people competing for cash. But you know, you, you don't need that much. Yeah, you know, let let's just be clear. But I think it requires people to hit that personally to realize that. Unfortunately,
1: yeah, it's an interesting philosophy.
0: Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> talking about all all this, this abstract. Uh, yeah, things. yeah,
1: I don't think it is important. Yeah. But like long term, it all kind of like comes into the game. Um, but just to like, I guess switch topics. What do you think separates like a good order from a an elite one? So I think it's like that intermediate to what advanced. <laughs> oh, really?
0: <laughs> no. I'd say maybe this makes me good or, or better. I don't know. I think a few things. So one, you know, like I said, it used to be in the military and then in investment banking. Both of those environments are very much attention to detail is, is really pushed into you hard. From The military is like, yep. everything's got to be corrected. And that's because you can kill someone or be killed if things aren't correct. That's why the uniform's correct. All these details matter. Yep. Same thing with banking. If these details aren't right, who cares how it is on like a PowerPoint? If that's out of line, it still sends a signal to the client that you're pitching. Like, do they know what they're doing? And maybe they don't choose you for this, you know, multi $100 million deal. So these details are just like, you have to be on point and people would call you out. And, you know, it was, it was an environment in both situations where everyone's on each other for details. Mm. So you transfer that over to auditing and it's like, that's what you're looking for is like the details in the code that the next guy overlooked. Maybe that is a good attribute for an auditor's attention to detail. Number two I think is, like we talked about, interest in the field, creativity, thinking like a hacker. You have to have that kind of mindset. If you're the kind of guy who is in real life, like you pass by a gate or a building and like your pen testing mind comes out and you're like, that door was insecure. That might benefit you in in the space, too, because you're like, wait a minute, you know, like, why can I withdraw before I deposit like just just playing Mm -hmm. with a contract and then i think the last thing would be just simply doing the work and being consistent it's not to be at an elite level or to exceed in the field with any field to do what you're doing to do what anyone's doing you can't do it half assed you have to do it you have to go full seven days a week you have to go hard If you're not putting the time in, well, don't expect any good results.
1: Yeah, I agree. Like someone that's just like someone that is just naturally good at it will never be better than someone that's putting in the work every day, every hour, trying to learn and upskill as much as possible because you also build intuition from experience. So you can have natural intuition. Great. That's like an edge. But if you don't leverage that and continue to work, then there's really no point in it. You've got to realize that other people are on the same path and are competing with you and the only way to compete is to do what they're doing or do it in a different way that kind of suits you. But ultimately it comes down to experience and intuition. That's the only real way. How can you get the most experience? How can you learn from that? Learn from these experiences? and from those learnings how can you apply it because that's how you build connections you can't really just read something and understand it completely if you don't apply it it's kind of just like with school versus mm-hmm. you know going out into the real world you really you only really realize like understand the real world once you get experience you can't like sure you read about it but you won't fully understand unless you do it and i think that applies to everything, actually.
0: Yeah, it's like the misconception about school too, where you're in school and the kid got an A and you got a C and you go into school and you just see the kid at school and you're like, oh, I'm dumb. He's smart. You don't realize like you go home, you don't study, you don't do any homework. And that kid is two, three hours a night studying, doing homework. And people think like, oh, he's a genius. No, he's just put in the work, and to be honest. That's most of life, in my experience, is you put in the work, and results will show themselves. That's it. Probably a meme about that somewhere too.
1: <laughs> the work. I mean, you, you always see this stuff, like especially with sports. You're like, oh, put in the work or have a talent. You know all that stuff.
0: I think sports but, is different. You know, you have natural ability, and then yeah, you compound yeah. with yeah. yeah. But uh, say you know, same with our field. You know, if you're gifted mathematically. You're going to look at a, you know, a flash loan exploit or something like that quicker than I can look at it. And you could use that to your advantage. But, you know, if I still put in the work and there's no time limits on these things, then yeah. maybe we, we reach the same conclusion.
1: Yeah, you can put systems in place to help you and assist you. Um, on that note, how do you use any tools at all? So kind of assist assist you.
0: There's a few websites that I use, like like searching. <laughs> you know, someone just turned me on to. I was searching for contracts deployed on EtherScan, which is the worst search ever in the world. <laughs> and uh, someone turned me on to like CodeSlaw, which is pretty cool. Oh yeah, There's sites popping up all the time that kind of help you look through deployed contracts on on blockchains, which is kind of cool. I, I use some use foundry for like looking at storage slots using cast that's easy enough someone built a web tool for it which I'm now i'm using that just because it's easier and then there's like evm.storage i think that new site's out that's great oh yeah um, good. what's that other uh, is it infosec or one of these teams put out some plugin for uh, for brave and it's like i can't i can't think of it but unless you view you know same as kind of evm storage maybe they put out the same thing block sec i don't know what the team is all these free tools out there that just uh, help you kind of dig in deeper. So I use those. I don't fuzz that often, um, but I, I do use like a Kidna for that. I know Foundry does it. I usually test in Hard Hat, just because I'm so comfortable with it. But I, I do modify people's Foundry tests. I found that to be easier sometimes uh, to use Foundry. But I, you know, I'm, I'm indifferent really. I, I like using both. To test and run sims, VS Code obviously is my ID, and I don't think there's any product out there that beats that. Um,
1: Yeah, I guess what what do you what do you think is missing from the tooling kind of area now that um that you would you know like what problems do you kind of face as an auditor right now?
0: You know, I've tried a few different because I mean honestly, it comes down to reading the code, and you know, there's there's I think all the tools exist out there, like even simulating storage at, at different blocks you know, that capability is there too. I think all the tools exist, but like VS Code plugins, I found had some pretty good utility recently. Like there's some audit one, there's like categorizing things just to kind of keep better tabs on where you're at in the project, where your notes are. Those have been helpful. But, you know, as far as anything missing other than, you know, hey, tell me where the bugs are in here. Yeah, nothing really. Maybe easier ways to kind of set up an environment for certain projects, especially bridging projects. Like mm-hmm. we have to, you know, set up a Docker and all this kind of stuff all ad hoc, depending on each project. You know, they're all different. If there was some unified thing to make that easier, that would be cool.
1: Yeah, I think tooling would get much better, especially with ChatGPT. you able to summarize and see all the stuff soon. Yeah, quite interesting. But we are getting close to the end. Um, I would like to thank you for coming on and it's been a great chat i very much enjoyed this uh, it's great to jump into philosophy a little bit as well the technical side i think it's uh, essential and very motivating as well helps you realize kind of gets you on track on track to becoming most optimal again more efficient instead of just the underlying know technical things um but yeah thank you so much Riptide, for, for jumping on i appreciate it
0: yeah thanks for having me shout out to uh the world's best uh, gas auditor harrison who uh <laughs> 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 this episode is pretty good but yeah man no i uh it's great that you have this podcast and um you know I'll, I'll follow you and and love to hear more about your projects going forward
1: for sure yeah and if anyone wants to suggest someone to come on the podcast just DM me at Bits on Twitter or email me at scrapingbits at gmail.com with your suggestion and I'll take a look at it. Otherwise, thank you so much for listening and I hope you come to another one.
0: All right, man. Later.